You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident finalist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore data. I don't have the music, but I got that music, and I feel that's very appropriate. Did sleep in today, you'll have to forgive me. I was up very late, as was the rest of the world, and I took the day off because it's a late game and it's my birthday and whatnot, so I felt I'd treat myself to sleeping in a little bit. Also, before we dive into it, um, apologies to Mr. Brady Augustine. I was supposed to do a post-game show with him, but um, being that I'm still not home and uh, getting everybody to bed is like a half-hour routine, I didn't really have a place to go, so I thought, you know what, I'm tired, just go ahead and do the post-game show yourself. Which stinks, because we haven't really had a good post-game show together yet, and this definitely would have been it, but there's just, there's no way telling him he needs to stay up for another half hour, 45 minutes, so I can put everybody to bed and uh, find a place to go be alone and do the... It just it wasn't going to work. So anyways, uh, hopefully there's another big victory that we can celebrate that isn't at uh, 4 o'clock in the morning. But man, you got to feel good about this one. I mean, I know there's, there's nitpicky stuff, but you got to set that down for a minute. I mean, what in the heck did we just witness? First of all, okay, let's let's back up a little bit. Remember what I said about big picture. It's not about this game. It's about big picture. There's a to-do list, right? There's there's a couple things that you need in order to be a Super Bowl caliber team. The Packers check a lot of those boxes, but there's a couple others that we're concerned about. One of which is the Packers' inability to overcome tough defenses. Now, last week was kind of iffy because last week we saw the team basically put up enough points to squash that in a half, but then in the second half, we saw them completely implode. So you look at it and say, okay, well, they can score 31 points on the Colts' defense, which is a good defense. I don't know where people come up with this number one. I didn't see them as the number one defense in any category anywhere. Not DVOA, not points, not yards, not PFF, not anything. I don't know where they come up with this stuff. But anyways, the Colts are ranked highly, and you put up enough points to squash that, but at the same time, you still see the collapse against a tough defense. But then you look at this week, and, and I think at this point, we got to kind of put that to bed, right? Because w- what are we basing that on? Struggles in the second half against the Colts and an implosion against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, which we want to say is because the Bucks have just this elite defense and the Packers just couldn't overcome it. When in reality, I think we know that the Packers just fell apart and played like garbage in that game. Not to say the, the Bucks' defense didn't contribute to that, but it doesn't make sense to say it was entirely the Bucks' defense, and when we go up against defenses like that, that's what's going to happen, because we've gone up against defenses like that, and that's never happened. It's a little crazy to me that a team that has gone up against, what, four of the top five defenses via DVOA, which basically looks at statistics, for example, points against and whatnot, but then adjusts it based on who they've gone up against. So, you know, for example, the Ravens, have not given up a lot of points, but they've also not gone up against the toughest competition in the world, so they kind of get adjusted downward. And so you're looking at a team that has gone up against 
Tampa Bay, which is the second highest defense in terms of DVOA. New Orleans is number three. Chicago is number four. Indy is number five. Minnesota, who we faced twice, by the way, that we thought was a terrible defense we faced uh, twice, is 11th. And yet, right now, the Green Bay Packers have the number one offense in football via points scored. Scored more points than the Chiefs. And we surpassed them playing the Chicago Bears. We got away from the whole narrative that this is a special offense because we started getting disappointed with certain things, disappointed with the defense and, and, and things that need to get fixed, disappointed with the offensive implosions and whatnot. But I think it's time we need to start reviving that a bit. Again, I, I've been talking about all last week how we need to really appreciate how special it is that the Packers basically scored the second most points against the Colts in two quarters compared to anybody else in four quarters. Only one other team reached 28 points other than the Green Bay Packers, and it took them four quarters to do it. The Packers put up 28 and a half in one half. And then the very next week, we faced the Chicago Bears. And I don't know if you were paying attention. Maybe you weren't listening to my last couple episodes, but let me refresh your memory. Let me read off what the Bears' defense has allowed this season. Against the Lions, 23 points. Understandable, the Lions aren't very good. The Giants, 13. The Falcons, good offense, only scored 26. The Colts only scored 19 points. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers and Tom Brady scored 19 points. The Carolina Panthers only reached 16. The LA Rams, a very potent offense, only reached 24. The New Orleans Saints reached 26. The Tennessee Titans reached 24. The high-octane Minnesota Vikings reached 19. On average, teams are scoring 22 points, and nobody, nobody has reached more than 26. The Saints and the Falcons reached 26. That is the highest anybody's reached. The Packers scored 41 points. 41. And this has nothing to do with injuries. Akeem Hicks does not account for that big of a difference on this team. Khalil Mack was there. Kyle Fuller was there. The defense was there. 41 points. The Packers moved down the field against the Bears at will. They scored the second most points of anybody against the Colts. They scored the third most points against anybody uh, against the 49ers. The most anybody scored against the Vikings was 43 points. That's the Packers. The second most anybody has scored against the Houston Texans is 35 points. That's the Packers. The most anybody has scored against the New Orleans Saints, 37 points. That's the Packers, one of their only two losses. The most anybody has scored against the Detroit Lions, 42 points. That's the Packers. 50% of the teams we've played, their worst day was against the Packers. That's with Devontae missing time, Bakhtiari missing time, Lindsley missing time, Lazard missing time, Aaron Jones missing time, Jamal Williams missing time. We lost to Guara. Doesn't matter. But yet we still want to dwell on the fact that Tampa Bay took us to task absolutely obliterated us. We had that one terrible day that Minnesota got the best of us once and that that we had a bad half against the Colts. We can't get over it. We just decimated the Bears. Let me back up a little bit. The last time somebody scored 41 points against the Bears was in 2016 when the Washington Redskins scored 41 points in week 16. They had three wins that whole season. That was the last time anybody hung 41 on the Bears defense. This, This, look... It's not a perfect team, and it's never going to be, but if you can't enjoy this ride right now, this is a freakishly scary offense. They're doing things that just should not be done. It's not perfect. Devontae had some weird drops. Aaron Rodgers had like one or two iffy passes. 
couple of iffy blocks here and there. I mean, I'm, I'm struggling to even come up with some stuff right now. Uh, you know, the uh, Equinemius was kind of driving me nuts with when he'd catch the ball. He's always trying to do something a little extra, and he always ended up losing yards. I mean, not losing yards in total, but he probably could have got a couple more if he just went straight. But, I mean, I'm really nitpicking here, man. 41 points on the Bears. That does not happen. Since the Bears have been a dominant defense, that does not happen. Their defense ranked 24th the last time that somebody hung 41 points on them. I mean, to be fair, not a lot of defenses see 41 points put up against them with any sort of pride. It's, It's a rare thing to get into the 40s. And if the Packers hadn't popped it in neutral in the fourth quarter, it could have been, you know, 50 to 10. Defensively, I'll, I'll be honest, I really wasn't impressed. And I, I know it's, if you want to put the best possible spin on it, you can. It's pretty simple. It, the, the score was 41 to 10 before, you know, they got a couple garbage time points. And 10 points is a good thing. My biggest concern, honestly, and maybe I'm remembering this wrong, the Bears didn't really have a hard time moving down the field against us. There were some very big plays that came up by the defense, and kudos to them at just the right time. But a lot of this was just Trubisky making massive mistakes. The interception interception should have never happened because they never should have been thrown. Kudos to Darnell Savage for just completely breaking out. I've, I've, I've highlighted him almost every week as someone who's getting better and better and better, and you're starting to see that speed. A guy that just has that makeup speed to, to run out there and break up that pass. And this past week, or yesterday I guess, had the speed to get down there and, and intercept the ball twice. But that should have never happened. Then, of course, there was the strip fumble recovery touchdown by Preston Smith. That's great. But how many times were guys wide open, especially on critical third downs, and, and they were just terribly thrown balls? It felt like, to me, Petten made the decision that we're just going to stay in zone, and we're going to wait to see if Trubisky can kind of pick it apart. And I guess technically it worked, because he was so bad that, you know, when it got to be third down, he would just miss a wide open guy. But I just... It, it, it sort of lacked the aggression that I was starting to appreciate. Again, there were good things. Preston seemed to have a really good day. Savage had an unbelievable day. It's hard to really critique the corners because they were playing off so much. It's hard to know if they got beat on a route or if they were just playing off and, and just once the ball was thrown, closed and tackled. Um, I feel like Kevin King struggled a little bit early on. Again, kind of hard to tell, but toward the end, he had a couple great pass breakups. Jair had some real critical pass breakups. The touchdown to Jimmy Graham and a couple others. That violent hit from Jair just really... I mean, that that guy... If there was a guy that we need to step up as a leader, it should be Jair because that guy's got... He's got everything. He, he not only has the talent to back it up, he's got the swagger that you want in a defense, and, and especially from a secondary. But man, he's violent. I mean, he's got to be one of the smaller guys on that defense, but he's got to be one of the most violent guys on that defense, and I really, really appreciate that. I don't know how many times I've brought up the time he punched that tight end in the neck, but it just that's Jair in a nutshell. You wouldn't expect him to be that tall. I mean, I mean, just just the fact that he's going man to man with Jimmy Graham and breaking up passes. He's not intimidated by anyone. So I mean, it, it's not all bad on the defense, and I genuinely think a lot of the bad wasn't so much the play; it was the the play calling. It was soft defense. The point was play off and let the Bears beat themselves, and again, it worked up until the fourth quarter when they just continued to drive down the field. And maybe i got to go back and watch it. Obviously, again, the defense came up in clutch situations to take the ball away. That really kind of made this thing spiral out of control for the Bears. But 
minus the Trubisky mistakes, again, it felt like they kind of moved at will. I mean, I don't know about running the ball necessarily outside of that first big gash. They did a decent job stopping the run, but I don't know. It, that that wasn't overly impressive. I'm not I'm not necessarily complaining, and I'm not as worried about the fourth quarter, although that is very annoying, and it doesn't have to be that way. We don't have to give up points. We don't have to pop it into, into neutral, because you can see how quickly teams can score. I mean, it legitimately got scary for a minute there. I mean, they went from 10 points to, what, 24, 25 points in, in a blink of an eye. And if the Packers couldn't convert those first downs, if they couldn't get it back in gear and and, and score, get that first down, then the Bears score again. It's a game all of a sudden. It took me a while to realize, hey, this game isn't over. I was wondering why Rodgers was still in, and I was like, wait a minute, because if they don't get this first down, suddenly this is this thing is it's, it's spiraling out of control, and we can lose this game, as shocking as that might seem. And it shouldn't have to be that way. It really shouldn't. And so um, I will withhold final judgment you know I want to go back and look at it and I want to know you know what guys like coach Hahn and and some other people that analyze film think about it but that was just my general feeling is that it was soft defense all day it continued to be soft down the fourth quarter just trusting that they couldn't get there fast enough if we just kind of apply a break to kind of slow them down as they drive down and score we'll bleed the clock and I just think in 2020, man, even against a terrible offense, that just doesn't work. Offenses can drive down and score in a blink of an eye. So, I mean, I, I'm, I'm, I'm preaching to the choir. I know that. I think we're all kind of on board with the fact that we're tired of it. But again, I, I really want to spend today just appreciating how special this was and, and seeing some guys step up. I mean, Preston had a good day. I've been hard on Preston. He had a good day. He deserves the credit. I've been hard on Billy Turner. Where was Khalil Mack all day? I know he had a couple pressures, but I've been saying this offensive line in general, but specifically Billy Turner, has not faced a legitimate number one edge rusher. And we got to see if if he's really going to be the guy and if he's really going to get all this praise and everything else, I want to see him do it against the best. That he did. We can nitpick the best if we want, but as far as I'm concerned, if you can... If you can keep Khalil Mack, even if he had like five pressures, which maybe he did, and I know he was active, Rodgers didn't get sacked once. I I was giving Billy Turner a handicap. I said, look, if you if you can hold him to like one sack and a handful of pressures, then I'll I'll give you a little bit of pre- uh, credit. He didn't have a single sack. So we'll see what the official numbers are on Khalil Mack and how many pressures he got. And I'm curious how he graded out because there's obviously a difference between, um, you know. I, I, I don't know, maybe there even isn't, I don't know, it, it's just, it's kind of a, a matter of how good, right? We're, we've answered the question, can he play tackle? The answer is yes. The question is, is that the direction we want to go? And, and it answers, I mean, it solves a lot of problems. I'm still not completely comfortable with it, but the, I mean, it's so hard for an offensive line to find offensive linemen. And if you've got a guy that can play tackle well enough to fend off Khalil Mack, even if he was getting help or whatever else, that's, what else can you really ask for? And so I'm not opposed to trying to improve the position. But at the end of the day, if, if nothing else, it's, it's nice to be in a position where you don't have to. In the first round, you don't have to neglect other positions because we're so desperate for tackle, which is a position we could be in right now after losing Brian Balaga. So I'm still not necessarily a, a complete believer, um, but he did his job. And that's all you can really ask. Uh, I do know the only time I really observed Billy Turner outside of them replaying that pressure from Khalil Mack where he just got beat real bad um, was a run play. I don't know if it was a touchdown or what, but Billy Turner did a fantastic job of just clearing out a massive hole. 
And uh, just in general, the offensive line did a great job. The run game looked as good as I've seen it. I've been talking since forever that we have not seen Aaron Jones get going since basically week three, and he was rolling against this defense, which is not an easy thing to do, Akeem Hicks or not. They even they, they did a great job in game to show what it is they were doing. They were getting the linebackers out of the the game. Just I mean it's 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 Kyle Shanahan level beautiful, right? The misdirection to get the linebackers flowing one way and then cut them off so they can't come back, right? They go running as hard as they can to the right and then they realize the play is to the left and they can't come back because it's walled off. I mean that's the kind of precision and timing that you need to be an excellent run blocking offense to be a good running team and the Packers have struggled with that the the timing and the execution and all this stuff and they they just they hit it to perfection Equinemius um I've been a big fan of his I'm not necessarily expecting him to blow up I mean he's a sixth round pick it is what it is but I've been hoping we can get a little glimmer of what we saw in him a couple years ago when we all believed in him and I thought this was a great example of his versatility he's what is he six foot five and runs a four four two or something He's a great athlete, and uh, you, you got him doing what it was. I was saying that I thought he could do really well in the slot coming out across the middle of the field. He was doing a great job of that. He can you, you can use him on jet sweeps and stuff like that. The the offense just looked, it was just perfectly in sync. So, anyways, I'm going to take a quick break here. We'll come back on the other side, look at some of the specific uh, statistics and whatnot, and uh, we'll see where we go from there. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. So just looking at a quarter-by-quarter breakdown, it kind of gives you the whole story. Um, The first quarter was 6-3. to The second quarter, the Packers scored 21 points in one quarter. Again, 26 is the most anyone's mustered in four quarters. The Packers put up 21 in one quarter. They managed another 14 in the third quarter. And then the fourth quarter is what drives everybody crazy. It's hard to be mad at the offense, but zero points. I mean, just it's it's the... Look, Matt LaFleur was... he embodied all gas, no break when he was going for it on fourth um, in in the third quarter when we were up by, you know, however much. That That is the embodiment of all gas, no break. But in the fourth quarter, putting up zero points, you know, granted toward the end there, we're just trying to run out the clock and we're taking knees and stuff. So it's really about a half of a quarter, but still. And then the defense allowing three points in the first quarter, seven in the second, zero in the third, and then 15 in the fourth. Come on now. 
But again, at this point, big picture, we're, we're, we're just checking off the boxes of things that we can and can't do and some things that we'd like to get cleaned up. And I think that not getting too comfortable in the fourth quarter, which is hard to do when you're winning 41 to 10, not maybe taking a half a playoff is got to be tough, especially when you're completely tired, you're gassed, you're in pain, somewhat understandable. But Aaron Rodgers on the day was 21 of 29 for 211 yards and four touchdowns. Aaron Jones, 17 carries for 90 yards, which is a 5.3 average. Jamal, 17 carries for 73 yards, 4.3 average. Um, Somebody had mentioned to me during the game he thought Jamal was getting too much usage. Uh, I tend to agree early on just because Jamal wasn't really doing much. And um, Aaron Jones was clearly the hot hand. He was having just a fantastic day. But I think the reason we got to 17 is toward the end, Jamal was just pounding the rock, and that was that was going great. He was starting to see some open holes and was really starting to drain down this defense, and it made sense. But early on, Aaron Jones was clearly the hot hand. Equinemius had his one for seven yards. Leading receiver was actually Robert Tunyon. Five receptions, 67 yards, and a touchdown. Uh, he had another good day. Another another weapon, which, you know, is sort of similar to everything else. You wish there was more consistency, right? He's had basically two good games this year. And it's, it always annoys me because somebody will go quiet for three games straight and then they pop up and have a good game for the first time in, in the last four weeks. And it's like, this guy's a weapon. He gets no recognition. Everybody talks Trey. He's so good every week. It's like, no, dude. It's just, I don't I don't know. But when he's hot, he's hot. And it's again, it's, it's like that, that game of war. The more pieces you have, the more likely it is that you're going to have a good day, right? When somebody has a bad day, somebody else has a good day. This is one of those days where everybody had a good day. Tanyan looked solid. Devontae looked good, aside from a couple drops. He looked a little bit off, but he was still clutch. Equinemius had a big day, only two receptions, but 39 yards. Alan Lazard came up clutch, four receptions, 23 yards, and a touchdown. Mercedes Lewis, I think he had at least one pretty bad drop, but he's starting to come up in a couple clutch catches here and again. Two receptions for 16 yards. Jace had his one for five. Jace was driving me nuts. What was that? I think it was like end of the half. There were 19 seconds. They did a squib kick. I wanted him to run straight out of bounds, and instead he runs, cuts across the field and burns off about half the time on the clock. There was, I think, 11 seconds left. So you absolute dummy. Get out of bounds and save the clock. Nobody cares about your return. You're not going to get a touchdown. What are you doing? Aaron Jones held to one reception for zero yards. Defensively, he had Zadarius with the forced fumble, Preston with the recovery for a touchdown, Darnell Savage, two interceptions, two pass deflections, Christian Kirksey with a pass deflection, Christian Kirksey I don't think had a very good day. We'll see, you know, it's hard to to know how they did on a play-to-play basis, he may have graded out very, very well, Um, just I wasn't seeing it, but from every time I saw him, it was always in disappointment. Kevin King with his three pass deflections, I know two of them came at the very end there, Raven Green had one pass deflection. I think he's another one that had a pretty bad day. There was one play in particular. I want to say it was like a... It made the difference between a three-yard gain and about a 23-yard gain because he, he just missed a tackle, and it just gets very frustrating to see that. Leading tackler is Adrian Amo. I know part of that has to do with the fact that we're rotating linebackers, but it is somewhat disconcerting that the guy seems to be our best run defender is a safety. That should just not be the case. He shouldn't have to be the one making tackles in the backfield and, and leading the team in tackles and everything else. But uh, sacks, we got uh, Preston Smith, Kamal Martin, Zadarius Smith. Tackles for a loss, we've got Preston, Kamal, and I guess that's it. So it, it, it's nice that everybody's starting to step up a little bit. You're starting to get contributions, and really in football, it's just, 
It's who's going to step up. It's just waiting for that one guy to step up on, on a play-to-play basis on offense. It's about who's going to beat their guy and get open so Rodgers can throw in the ball, and we've got guys that are doing that. On defense, it's about who's going to make the play. Right? I mean, granted, there's there's real stiff defenses like the Colts and the Bears where everybody just kind of does their job and, and offenses struggle. The Packers, as much as I would love for that to be the case, tend to be a defense where we're waiting for that one guy to make a play. We're waiting for Zedarius to get that strip sack fumble recovery touchdown. We're waiting for, for Savage to get that pick or, or for King to get that deflection. And the, and the good thing is, again, as much as I would love for guys to just step up in general, um, and I'm not even saying they're not. Again, I think a big problem is is the ridiculously soft defense uh, that's called by Petten. But if that's not going to get fixed, then it's just a matter of guys stepping up, making plays, and they're starting to. So again, I'm very curious to see what some of the official stats are via PFF. I shouldn't call them official, the PFF stats, because they're a little bit more comprehensive in terms of uh, pressures and whatnot, because it felt like there was not a lot of pressure. However, Kenny Clark, who I'm sure got an update after the game in terms of what some of the stats were, was saying that, you know, what was his thing? It said something like, uh, uh uh-oh, the pressures and the interceptions are starting to to stack up, meaning this defense is starting to wake up. You better watch out. So I'm, I'm, I'm curious to see what that's all about. But anyways, I, you know, what else is there to say? You, you got to enjoy it, man. I had somebody reach out today. I uh, was kind of put off by some of the comments in the Facebook group and whatnot, which is becoming a recurring theme. People complaining when things are good. But he made a real good point. You, you know, what's the point if you're not going to enjoy the ride? What good is a Super Bowl if you're, if you're just going to be miserable? For six months, you know, September, October, November, December, January, February, you're you're miserable until we win a Super Bowl, and then what? You just it's just like relief. Is there any excitement at that point, or is it just oh good we didn't lose? Enjoy the ride, man. You're probably not going to win a Super Bowl. That's just the reality. You got to find some level of joy in football outside of Super Bowls, or you're going to be a miserable human being. This, you you might not see a better offense than this in, for the rest of your life legitimately. I, I don't know that you're going to see one this good again. I don't know how much time you have. I've got 50 years, maybe, if I'm lucky. The way I was eating this Thanksgiving, I probably got about 30. But you figure, you know, Aaron Rodgers alone, was he got two more years? He's probably not going to put up another performance like this. This is this is unbelievable. Again, it's the number one offense in football, and, and we're competing with teams like the Chiefs, which are unbelievably good offenses. And right now, the Packers are 8-3, and three, and there's not that many difficult games coming up. Again, it doesn't mean we can't lose, but if they keep this level of energy offensively and defensively, they got maybe one more loss on their schedule. And then you get into the playoffs and it's just a matter of, I don't know, are they going to win? Probably not. Just like everybody else is probably not going to win, but somebody's going to. Somebody has to. Might as well be the Packers. But in the meantime, again, try to enjoy it. That's it. I'm out of here. Have yourselves a good Monday. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye.